0: Hello, and welcome to the Divorce Woman's Guide podcast, where we talk about the things us divorcees are thinking, but not always talking about, as we turn our divorce into the best gift you've ever been given. And I do so with a little bit of sass and a whole lot of class. I am your host, Wendy Sterling, founder of The Divorce Rehab. I am here to support you in this transition phase of your life so you can start your new, best chapter on your own terms. After all, that's what I did after my own divorce. And now it is my mission to change the conversation around divorce and help you see why your divorce, like mine, was the best gift you ever received. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. How are you doing today? As a reminder, don't forget to click on the subscribe button so that you don't miss a single episode when they come out every single week. And I especially don't want you to miss my conversation today with Marie Elizabeth Molly. Hello, Marie Elizabeth. How are you?
1: Hi, Wendy. I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm so good. And I'm so excited to talk to you today about relationship alchemy. So people are probably wondering, what is that? Because I know that's what I said. And we will dive into that, everybody. But before we do so, I'd love to share more about Marie Elizabeth with you guys. So as a relationship alchemist and two-time TEDx speaker, Marie Elizabeth Molly shows visionary women how to cultivate deeper love and connection in their intimate relationships. Drawing on her master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine and over 20 years of working with clients, she teaches women how to show up as authentic leaders in their relationship and work instead of twisting themselves to fit in. I love that, by the way.
1: Marie (laughs) Elizabeth's
0: work has been featured in Thrive Global, SWAA, which is pronounced Sway, I believe, and Forbes. Marie Elizabeth is also a member of the Forbes Business Council. She's a published author with an MFA in poetry from Sarah Lawrence College. And a fun fact about her is that she's also an underwater photographer who has a thing for sharks. So you are. The coolest person I think I've ever had on my podcast, and I, you know, for those of you who uh, are listening, you should check this out on YouTube because behind Marie Elizabeth right now is this beautiful piece of art that she took as a, she's the photographer of the picture, and it's stunning. So definitely go to YouTube so you guys can can check it out. But Marie Elizabeth, I sorry, I'm very distracted by your bio. <laughs>
1: Yeah, (laughs) whales whales are really something special and spectacular. They, yes, they merit all the distraction.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes, they do. Um, And, you know, I, we were talking before we hit record, everybody, and I am really excited to talk to Marie Elizabeth about, you know, relationship alchemy. And more importantly, I love how you say we get to show up as leaders in our relationships. I just, I, that resonates very deeply with me. But before we dive in, I really would love for you to share with our audience your story and how it is that you came to create this business, that you have created such an incredible uh, new phenomenon. We're going to call it a phenomenon because it love and relationships need a little bit of a shakeup. And I love your position on this. So share how this was born and where it came from.
1: Well, I firmly believe that we teach what we most need to learn. <laughs> so. <laughs> My whole life, really, since I was 17, I've had a very clear sense of my purpose, of what I'm here to do. And even though how that purpose has unfolded has changed. So after college, well, back then I was doing theater and music. After college, I did massage. Then I got my acupuncture degree and began practicing that. Then I became a poet for 10 years. Then I came back to coaching because I had already been coaching before, but I came back to coaching in 2015 and through the whole through line has been a sense that i'm here to bring people out of their ordinary daily experience and offer a new experience a new way of seeing things a new depth of connection to themselves so that when they return to their life it feels different it looks different they show up different they 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 have more access to who they truly are and so, even with all this clarity around what I'm here to do, my relationships were always the hardest spot for me in my own life. And part of it was my passion for my work. I've always been super a workhorse, very dedicated, love my clients. So, there was always tension there in my relationships between my work life and my attention to the relationship. And really, after my divorce in 2012, I decided, you know what, it's time in, in the sort of grief and the maelstrom of, oh, my God, I've failed and everything we go through after divorce, even if it's a divorce that we wanted, which it was, and it was amicable and all of that. But even so, there's still so much to release and unpack, as you know, yes. and as your listeners know, that I took a decision, you know, this is the area that I really need to focus now. I've been doing personal growth work since 1990. And here we are in 2012, and my marriage just ended. And it's really time to turn my attention specifically to understanding what makes us tick and what makes me tick and how to do it better. So, because even with all that growth, it doesn't necessarily mean you know how to relate. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true, you know. And so uh so I dedicated myself for two years. I did a really deep dive into relationships, sexuality, coached around it, was coached around it. And out of that, I, I reawakened my love of working with people and realized, oh, this thing I'm learning and actually finally being in the relationship with the love of my life. And having it be living and breathing and growing and a support to each of our growth. I wanted to bring that to others because if I can do it, you can do it.
0: <laughs> 100%. It's possible. Yeah. And and that's that's what I love, right? Is that so many people think, oh, well, that's that's good for you. I'm glad it works for you. And, you know, I love that, you know you and me, we're sitting here on the other side. We live and breathe what we teach and what we preach. So, so can you break down a little bit more for our audience? So, relationship alchemy, what does that mean? What is the alchemy of relationship that you teach?
1: Well, so alchemy traditionally is a practice. I mean, in the medieval times, it was about turning lead into gold, right? How could they Do that. But on a psycho spiritual level, it's really about learning how to turn the lead in your relationship, in your life, those places of conflict and discomfort and where it's hard into relationship gold. And what I call relationship gold is the ability to maintain your connection and deepen your intimacy in such a way that even if you're in conflict, you're still growing together. You're still deepening your connection you're still alchemizing as i like to call it the places in you that need to be healed that tend to block love that don't fully believe you get to have it like all those little parts of us stuck back there in the subconscious yeah. that get triggered by our relationships right those places get to come into the light get to be turned into fuel for deepened intimacy as opposed to being the things that break us apart.
0: Yeah. And, and going through divorce and you've been through it and you know, a lot of my listeners, you know, some of them are in it, some of them are through it. Some of them are thinking about it. And, and, And so, so many of us stay in that place of grief, right? We are stuck there for a really long time. And so some people may be hearing this and going, this sounds great, but I'm still a piece of lead. (laughs) What is my first step, you know, in alchemizing my grief, that stage one that a lot of people are stuck in?
1: That would be to, to allow yourself to feel it, Mm -hmm. to let yourself be there. I feel like there's way too much of a push in the personal growth world to get through things quickly and move on. Mm -hmm. And grief, I find, is one of the things that if we fully allow ourselves to feel it all the way in, all the way down, then when we come out of it, we actually genuinely come out of it into a new space. Whereas if we are trying to sort of manufacture uh, movement, you know, and and be like, okay, I'm moving on. And, you know, it, it's, it's just not always up to our conscious will, yeah. is what I see. And so the first stage is to let yourself be sad. It's okay to be sad. And you might have a lifetime of grief that gets to come up because of this divorce grief. So if the grief feels bigger than is commensurate, Know that there's likely old, old, old grief. That's that's like, oh goody! I get to I get to come out now. Right. Like, I get to pile on <laughs> this grief because grief is finally big enough that I get to come out too, right? So, so don't get don't be hard on yourself if you're sad. Don't don't push yourself, force yourself anywhere. You know, the the flip side is also true. Don't wallow. I mean, if a part of your soul is saying, hey, it's time to get up and go out and do stuff and you're refusing to do that, that's a different story. But if you're genuinely at that first stage, just let yourself be sad. I mean, I cried on a beach chair for months and was scuba diving, you know, but my ex-husband likes to say I left him for the ocean because I basically <laughs> went to Indonesia on and off for five months and just cried in the water. Uh, while I took photographs, but just would and I'd cry on land and I'd cry <laughs> and until until, and the salt water kind of helped to move it out. But it's like I allowed myself that process so that when I returned to civilization, I was ready to ready to be back in civilization again, yeah,, and now I'm, I-, I know I'm super fortunate that I was able to do that, and not everybody can do that, but even within the confines of a very busy and regimented life, especially if you have kids, and things like that, you know, uh, you can still allow yourself pockets mm-hmm. of grieving if it, before bed, first thing in the morning, wherever you can fit it in, let your hair down and grieve. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know, what I'm hearing you say is that it really sort of the the first step of this alchemization process, if that is even a word, if the first step is it really is about, it is now I just coined a new word guys, but really the first step is really, it starts with you. And what I always say, and I couldn't agree with you more. And I tell my clients this all the time and all my listeners tuning in, you guys have heard me say this, that the shortcut to getting through the emotional trauma of your divorce is feeling through the grief, feeling through the pain. That is the shortcut. And so, you know, you know, think about a science experiment, right? Think about when you're trying to turn one thing into another, well, what is the first step? It's really about understanding the composition, right? Of who it is that you are. And once you're able to really this is why I love this word alchemy is because it's really about understanding the properties of you in order for you to mold and become still you, but a better version, a shinier, more worthy version, right? Is figuring that out to start. So I want everybody who's tuning in to hear that that's why it's so important for you to really feel through everything before jumping in. Like yes. having a relationship with yourself, understanding your own composition, is step one. And then it is, you know, that's when you can kind of start going, okay, so what is the first step for me, like putting myself out there? So how can people, once they kind of start this, you know, you know, morphing process, how, what are some other steps that they can take to kind of get themselves ready to even think about, or when they get to the place where they're ready to think about, entering into a new relationship or even adjusting relationships that they have with people already in their life.
1: Well, the next step, once you're ready to go there, is really to cultivate an attitude of self-acceptance. I find that change does not happen in an atmosphere of shame. Right. We can't shame ourselves into changing. And when you start to when you get ready to go out there and you begin going out there, you know, it's not always going to go great. Sometimes you're going to do and say stuff that you're like, whoops, what, where'd that come from? Like, what was that about? (laughs) And the more you can cultivate an an attitude of self-acceptance and like, and levity about your foibles, Mm -hmm. the better it's going to go. Because, it's funny that you said it starts with you because my tagline for my work is a great relationship starts with you.
0: (laughs) And so I knew I saw that somewhere. (laughs) Oh yeah. And so,
1: you know, it, it, the more you cultivate acceptance for yourself, acceptance for where you're at, a, a gentle person on your shoulder, encouraging you to go forward, challenge yourself, The more you celebrate your wins, like the things that actually do go well and notice and appreciate what is working, then more of that begins to happen. So it's really a brain retraining kind of process. So our brains are, are super wired to look for what's wrong, what we're doing wrong, what the world is doing wrong, the ways we're not supported, the ways life sucks. That's how we're wired because it's just a primitive prehistoric way that our brains learned to scan for danger to keep us safe, et cetera. So, going back out there means a process of retraining your brain to look for what you're doing right, to look for what is going well, to look for not just red flags, but look for the green flags. Like We're so right. practiced at looking for red flags. What about the green flags? When somebody does something kind for you, do you actually notice and assimilate and take that in and have gratitude for that? When a date shows up at the time they said they would, like, are you like, yes, or you just kind of take it for granted, right? Right. But then the minute they pick their teeth with their fingernail, you're like, right. Like watch what you're doing with your brain.
0: (laughs) Well, and it is, I think that we, we get, we're so on autopilot, right? Like we're just so accustomed to just thinking, doing, being a certain way. And it does take practice, you know, One of the things my divorce taught me, and I'm curious to know if you feel the same way, but one of the things my relationship taught me was to really start paying closer attention to how I spoke to myself, Mm -hmm. because I realized that that contributed to the poor communication that I not only had with myself, because clearly I was a poor communicator with myself, but it also translated into being a really poor communicator in my relationship, in my marriage. And then, you know, I'm in a serious relationship now. I had a relationship before, but even in that relationship, I was a horrible communicator. Mm. And what I found was that when I was finally able to step into a place where I I owned my side of the street, which is what I say, right? Like I, I took a response too. You you. Yeah. I knew we were like-
1: I know, we're so aligned.
0: <laughs> I'm like, I love you. I knew I loved you, like for so many reasons that I did and didn't know. But, you know, for me, it was really about- coming to a place where if I didn't own my side of the street, well, how could I, if I couldn't be honest with myself, how could I be honest in a relationship with somebody? And I believe that that starts with learning how to be aware of your thoughts, aware of how you talk to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, there. listen, everybody knows I talk about this all the time. Like I was not kind to my ex-husband all the time, right? Like I would, I would have conversations in my head, and then believe he was there. And then I would like, ah! And he's like, whoa, how did we go from zero? Like, and I was like, you were in here. You were in here. You should know this, right? So many of us say, you should know this. yeah, But we don't, right? So right. a lot of that communication work starts here, right? And then it translates out. But it starts with you owning your shit.
1: It, owning your shit. Owning the ways that... Uh, I, I have a similar experience in that my tendency is super critical. Like I have a very loud inner critic. And then that translates when I get stressed out as an outer critic too. So I start to poke and criticize the way uh, at the time my husband was doing things or the way he was treating me or, uh, yeah, I mean, he treated me well, like, don't get me wrong. We had a great marriage in a lot of ways. It just didn't have the depth of connection that I discovered that I really need. So, uh, but my tendency is to go toward criticism. And so I had to really, in order to be able to show up differently in my relationship, I had to really address how I spoke to myself and develop mm-hmm. a different relationship with my inner critic, Yeah, not believe everything it said. Uh, and I do a lot of parts work with clients, my private clients, not as much in my group program, just because of time uh, of on our calls but sometimes if it's necessary, I'll do it. I teach mm-hmm. them how to do it really for themselves. But uh, but what I mean by parts work is where you really dialogue, you learn to dialogue with different aspects of yourself who are mm-hmm. cropping up and making themselves known as the voices I in your head.
0: Parts yeah. work, and, that's
1: really uh, fascinating. Yeah, I'm, tra- I'm trained in it through four different traditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and it's really powerful, powerful work to recognize that those voices that we have inside uh, and not, you know, there's a small percentage of people who actually don't have an inner narration going on. Maybe it's 10 to 20% of people. So, I mean, the mm-hmm. majority of people have some kind of inner dialogue going on all the time. Mm-hmm. And for many of us, that inner dialogue is punitive and critical, especially if we had a critical parent, because we internalize that voice. As you said, you know, it's like, you're in here, you know, like, yeah. so are <laughs> our parents. Guess what? Newsflash. Yeah. <laughs> flash. So uh, so I happen to have a really loud inner critic, but when you start to change your relationship to those thoughts and those voices and those narrations that go on inside, and you recognize that each one of them is here for you, it actually wants something good for you. It's just the way it expresses it is bad. Right. <laughs> so once, you know, even, even my self-hatred, there was a period where that was really loud in about 2008. And I did a bunch of work around it and recognized, oh, my self-hatred actually just wants me to be better. It's just trying to, you know, it's trying to encourage me to be better, but it does it in a way that shreds me and makes me incapable of doing anything. (laughs) We changed our relationship. Like I literally had a conversation. With my self-hatred, like, hey, would you be willing to talk to me differently? I get that you want me to be better, and the way you're doing this sucks. Like it's right. not working for me. Right. <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to be better if you don't keep talking to me like this. So, you know, it's a whole process you can take yourself through, and that I teach, but that all that to say, when you begin putting yourself out there again, chances are there's gonna be a lot of noise in your head. And the way you you relate to that noise matters. You can't ignore it. You can't you can say no to it. Like you can literally just go, "Shh, we're not doing that." And I recommend you do that if if your voice tends to berate you in some mm-hmm. way. I recommend that you do that. But also take a moment to to get to know it. What does it want for you? There are questions what, what do you want for me? Like for me, not, do you want, what do you want for me? No, it's like, what do you want for me? Mm -hmm. And how could we work together? Given you want me to be happy and I want me to be happy. How do we work together more effectively to make that happen? Are you willing to have a change in job description? Are you willing to talk to me in a different way? Are you willing to step aside on a date when I need to focus and we can deconstruct it later together, <laughs> like whatever <laughs> occurs to you, right? Right. In the moment. But really, learning to have a different relationship with your own thought process that's supportive, that's aligned, because your brain's not going to let you do anything it doesn't want you to do, right? right. Ultimately, this is where self sabotage comes in, sure. right? So, it really behooves each of us to learn how to befriend our own heads. And through that befriending, we then get much more space and freedom to date and try out new things and experience relationships and break old patterns. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always such a fear of recreating the past. And we recreate the past when we haven't dealt with the unconscious material that created it in the first place.
0: So incredibly true. So my mind's like my mind, I have so many questions for you. So that was a long one. <laughs> I'm like, we only have 30 minutes-ish. Um, so, so talk to me about so, so I I hear you and, you know, same thing. Like I talk about inner critics all the time. You've been divorced. You know, our inner critics are very, very loud. I love how you call it, you know, doing parts work and really engaging in dialogue to really see what is their role? What are they, you know, at the end of the day, what I always say is that they're actually trying to keep you safe, but at the same time, it's not always in your best, you know, what it is that they're saying to you isn't always in your best interest. So
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: So, what I'm imagining is that when you learn how to engage with those inner voices, right, obviously, it sets you up to be able to, um, you know, distinguish between what it is that you want, what it is that you don't want, how it is that you feel, you know, don't feel. And then this, in turn, this practice within yourself enables you to open yourself up to the potential of a relationship and intimacy, which, you know, is such a beautiful thing. And I, I know I wasn't able to really understand what intimacy was until I really went through my divorce. So how do we then transfer this into a relationship? How do we use this work that we've done to cultivate, as you say, like that deeper love and connection with the people in your life?
1: Well, when we have more ability to be with what's happening inside and mm-hmm. be with what's happening outside. That's where the freedom to choose something new happens. So I want to say a word about chemistry and sort of you know how we think relationships happen yeah. and how they actually really happen. So so chemistry, that kind of instant physical chemistry that if that we can be lucky enough to experience, because how fun is that, right? Right. That's often coming out of some way that that person plugs into a very young part of you, like your childhood wounding, whether that's an abandonment type wound or a a lack of worth type wound, whatever the wound is, the more someone activates that very, very primal old stuff, the more intense the chemistry is going to be. Mm. So the first step is to be I'd not like to be agnostic is the word that's coming to be, and I don't because I don't want to say suspicious because I do think chemistry is great. Yes, but if you have instant chemistry with somebody, that should like have your spidey senses go. Okay, hang on. Like, am I in present time? Is this person activating some old part of me, and that's why the pull is so intense? Just ask yourself a few questions there. Don't nix it because it may not be anything but it may be something. Yeah. So ask those questions, get clear. Okay, yes, I'm in present time. I'm attracted to this person. My adult woman is attracted to this person. This is not my wounded child here. And then if that's the case, then try try different stuff. Like if your thing is not to speak up and ask for what you want, speak up and ask for what you want. If your thing is to uh, bottle everything up and not say anything and then explode, try speaking what you're feeling in real time. Whatever your habitual pattern of the past was, and possibly the thing that might have tanked your marriage, do the opposite. So I like to approach dating and relationship as a research, even, I mean, long term committed relationship, it's a whole research. And ultimately, the goal is to know yourself more deeply and be able to show up at your best, present, in your power, as much of the time as possible. That's, to me, the goal. And you know, other people want a relationship for comfort or they want a relationship because they want babies, or you know, there's many reasons to have a relationship. I think it's good to also be clear about what your reasons are mm-hmm. so that you can tell if the relationship you're having is going in the right direction or not toward the thing you want right. for me and for the kind of relationships and people I work with, uh, it, there's typically a, an aspect of growth and knowing oneself better and mm-hmm. becoming more and more functional, you know, right. and healthy, right. like, that's that's to me the, the way the space I tend to play in yeah. half my people have kids half don't it's it's not that's not the determining factor it's really more about do you want to do you want to use is the wrong potentially a com- conflicting word here but like do you want to use this relationship to grow and to become a more loving person right. and a more clear and powerful person right. then this is what you do you get very conversant with what's happening in your head. You take actions that go against your old patterns. You stretch yourself. You notice when upper limits show up like, oh, I can't have, oh, this is too good to be true. How many right. of us say that? This is too good to be true. And you're just waiting for the shoe to drop and they turn, they ghost you or whatever.
0: Right.
1: All of that needs to be witnessed, accepted and released yep. to be able to be in present time in your adult woman happy. Yes. With somebody else.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, and I call that kind of almost like doing, like I do check-ins with myself, right? Like yes. something I never did in my marriage because I just was on autopilot and trying to survive. And, you know, I have two kids and that, you know, when I was separated, they were seven and 10. So of course I was like just trying to survive and work full time.
1: Mm-hmm. But one
0: of the things I think that, that I'm hearing you say is that, In relation, when you are dating, when you are in a relationship, what's really important is continuing that inner dialogue and continuing to ensure that the relationship is still meeting your needs, right? And that you are kind of doing a check in with yourself of, you know, the way that I describe it and my clients know, because I use this language also because I was in a leadership program is like, I always strive to have a 10 out of 10 with myself and a 10 out of 10 relationship with everyone in my life, with my kids, with my, you know, now my dad, you know, with my boyfriend, with my friends, like colleagues, right? I always strive to be at a 10 out of 10. And and so for me, that check-in process is, okay, we're not at a 10. How do I get back to a 10 and is getting back to a 10 possible with this person, right? Without feeling like I have to sacrifice myself in the process. So yeah, you're shaking your head, everybody who's yes. listening and you can't see you're shaking your head. Like you're like, yes, I totally get this. Yes. So, so talk to me a little bit about that because like it really is, it's about continuously checking back in with yourself to make sure that you're in alignment with yourself and as yourself in that relationship.
1: That's so beautifully said. Uh, and and I, I think in addition to the checking in with yourself that you described so beautifully, like, you know, am I, I mean, to me, the question is always, am I showing up in a way that allows me to have what I want, like that uh, that facilitates the love that I want? Yes. If I want deep love and connection, am I showing up vulnerable, open, inviting, receptive, Or if a communication comes my way that I don't like, do I immediately bristle and reject and
0: block? Yeah. (laughs) You
1: know, that's worth looking at. Right. So, and I like, I encourage couples for those of you who are beginning to have relationships and maybe are in relationships, you want to do couple check-ins too Mm -hmm. with a similar foundation. You know, how... How how am I doing this week? How did I love you this week? Like what worked well in our connection? What's something that could maybe be improved? What do we have coming up next week that maybe we need to put attention on or make sure like we divvy up the tasks on or whatever it right. is so that your relationship stays current and growing in addition to the relationship you have your, with yourself, right? So it's yeah. it's... I I love this idea of, you know, the check-in and the, am I a 10 out of 10 in all these different domains? That's fantastic. And you can carry that into a relationship as well and do regular relationship check-ins too.
0: Yeah. I love that. I, I love that check-in. Actually, I'm probably going to use that. with my boyfriend this week. And I love that new tool. I'm like, you just gave me a new tool. I'm going to try to check that out. I think that's brilliant. I think that's so important. And even doing those check-ins with yourself, Marie Elizabeth, I mean, I feel like we could talk for like two more hours. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we will, maybe we'll make this a two-part series, but as we're coming to a close in our conversation today, you know, what is one thing that you want to leave our listeners and our viewers with that, uh, that they that will you know, continue to inspire them to uh see the the gold at the end of the rainbow. Ooh, that was really powerful. I like that met I love metaphors. We were talking about lead to gold. I am like, how can they see the gold at the end of the rainbow?
1: Amen, yeah, because it can get so easy to be stuck in the rain, right? Yes. yes, So, as much as possible, I always say this over and over again. Cultivate an attitude of curiosity. Stay curious about your experience. And as much as possible, allow yourself to be present to it. That doesn't mean don't watch TV and check out sometimes. like If your system needs to check out and rest and restore with something, quote unquote, mindless, have at it. It's really about the permission to be exactly where you are, be curious about your experience, and you'll know when you're ready to take the next step, when you're ready to push yourself harder, when you're ready to challenge yourself to do something that's scary. You'll know if you stay curious with yourself, if you give yourself permission to be exactly where you are, and you cultivate kindness towards yourself.
0: I love that. I say that all the time. Curiosity is is that's something I never understood. So, um thank you so much for being here and for being my guest. I I love you. I am totally. I just. I, You're I do. Amazing. I love you. too. <laughs> I do. I really do. We get to meet each other next week, which I'm very so excited. excited about. Obviously, I want my audience to know where it is that they can find you. So, um, how can people find you? Get a hold of you. I know that you also have an amazing assessment available that everyone can go check out too. So,
1: I share, do. Please. Yes. Well, my website is relationshipalchemy.com. And the assessment's available right there on the homepage. And this, this particular assessment is for folks who are uh, partnered or dating. I do have a new assessment specifically for single folks that's coming down the line in a few weeks. So depending on when this airs, it might already, there might be a link for that on the site as well. If not, check back, because there will be. And the purpose of the assessment is basically awareness is the first step to change. So this assessment is designed, it follows the five elements of relationship alchemy that I've outlined these five areas of relationship that are really important to consider. The first is your relationship with yourself. So we've covered that a lot today, but there are four more areas that are really important to having a thriving relationship. So in this assessment, you get to see in about four or five minutes, which areas are working great, and which areas could use your attention and where you need to focus to have them be just like you were saying a 10 out of 10. So I invite you to take the assessment and, uh, and if uh, women you're also invited to join my free Facebook group, which is relationship alchemy with Marie Elizabeth Molly. And yeah, there's just lots of ways to access. There's a podcast, there's a free weekly live as well. So come, Avail yourself of the information. I get a lot of free content in all the places and I'd I'd love to serve you any way I can. Yeah. And
0: share the name of your podcast.
1: The podcast is called Relationship Alchemy and the Relationship Alchemy Live is the weekly live. And where uh, is that? Is that on YouTube or is that on my Facebook Facebook page and on YouTube? It does also stream to LinkedIn if LinkedIn (laughs) is a preference. So you can find me on LinkedIn and follow me there as well. Great. I'm on all the socials. (laughs) So
0: you have to be these days, right? Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, everybody, all of that information will be also be in the show notes. So everybody will have those links and they can get a hold of you. Marie Elizabeth, truly an honor to have you here today. I really loved our conversation. So thank you for being my guest and sharing your wisdom with my audience today.
1: Thank you so much for the invitation. It's really been a true joy.
0: Of course, of course. And everybody listening and tuning in. Oh my God, that was so great. I hope that you guys got some really amazing information. I hope that you found a nugget that is going to help you wherever it is that you are in your recovery process, in your relationship recovery process. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As always, sending you all so much love, light, and joy. I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this episode with someone you know or spread the word on social media. This is how I reach more divorcees around the world and provide them with the support they need to create their next best life. And I would also love to continue the conversation with you. So please friend me on Facebook. Join my private Facebook group, The Divorce Rehab, and follow me on Instagram at Divorce Rehab with Wendy. I'll see you next time.